Our scripture text this morning comes to us from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I've been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. The word of the Lord. We ask, O God, that you would take this word, which has been inspired by the writing of your spirit, and use it to conform our lives and our community closer into the image of the body of Christ. Be gracious to our seeking of that, we pray. Amen. This scripture text is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment, first of all, because it reminds us that Christians can be embarrassing. Some proclaim Christ out of envy and rivalry and selfish ambition. We hate that. It's bad for the movement. It's embarrassing that there are snake oil preachers who are getting rich off of people's desperation. We're embarrassed by the frauds and the fundamentalists, by those who baptize faith over their ambition for ideology, or for those whose spiritual ambition is only for what Jesus can do for them with no ambition for doing justice or loving kindness or walking humbly. It's an embarrassment. So we try to distance ourselves from all of that by saying to people, I'm not that kind of Christian. (laughs) And even that's not good enough anymore. Now you have to say, well, I'm not that kind of evangelical, or I'm not that kind of liberal. But there's more embarrassment here in this text than that. After pointing out that some who are in the church are motivated by selfish ambition. Paul then goes on to say, what does it matter as long as Christ is proclaimed? Now, to be clear, he's already already distinguished between right and wrong motives for our work. He's not saying that everybody is right. And in other places, he writes a good deal about the danger brought to the church from those who are wrong. But here, he is saying 
that even if people are a part of the Christian work for the wrong motives, even if they are invoking Christ for selfish ambition, even if they're just wrapping the Christian faith around psychological neuroses, even if they are embarrassing, what does it matter as long as Christ is proclaimed? Now that's neither what we would expect or actually want to hear from the apostle. We expect the fiery old Paul to, to blast those who are wrong. And maybe the younger Paul would have done that. But apparently, over the years, Paul has become more and more convinced that it is Jesus Christ who brings redemption to the world. And Christ can use all things to affect this salvation, even those who try to distort his work. I think the point is this. The mission of Christ is not thwarted by those who are wrong. And it will not succeed because of those who are right. The mission of Christ will succeed because he is the incarnation of God with us. He is the one who died on the cross for the sins of the world. He is the one who rose from the dead, who ascended into heaven, and who continues to reign over a kingdom that is yet to come. But through the Spirit, Christ is continuing to bring about that kingdom and can use anything that Christ chooses, even those of us who are wrong. And Paul says, rejoice. You get to watch that. You get to be a witness of the Savior who can use all things. So, to review, the text is an em- text is an embarrassment because it reminds us that some are involved in our Christian work proclaiming Christ for selfish ambition. And it's an embarrassment because it reminds us that even when we are right, we are never more than witnesses of a Savior who can even use those who are wrong to bring us all back home to communion with God. But we're not yet to the bottom of our embarrassment in this text. Some proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Some proclaim Christ out of love. Maybe the real embarrassment is that we are more committed to being right than we are to loving, which is always wrong. Now, uh, of course, we, there is a difference between right and wrong, truth and error. And of course, we, we've come here to seek that which is true and to hold our convictions dear as we develop them. And of course, we've been called to enter into the public debates and to advocate for what we believe is right and true. But if you do not love those who you think are wrong, then the truth you are holding does not belong to Jesus Christ. Remember, we follow a Savior who was dying to love even those who put him on a cross. 
let at least the church be clear about this. Let at least the schools of the church be clear about this. Let us continue to strive to be a community of diverse people with diverse and sometimes conflicting convictions who are still dying to love each other. Now sometimes the problem with community is not just that we have different ideas about what is right or different motives. Sometimes the problem is that some of us can be obnoxious. <laughs> Especially when they want to give you a little truth. <laughs> I, I think it's, as hard as it is to love those who are wrong, it's, it's even harder to love those who are annoying, <laughs> even when they're right. An old professor of mine once said that if the church expects to be the light of the world, then it should also expect to attract a few bugs. <laughs> but even the bugs belong in the community. They're given to us by Jesus. They have a place here. As Paul writes in Colossians, Christ holds all things together, even the bugs, the annoying people, those who are right and those who are wrong. In Christ, it all holds together. So do our convictions and our compassion hold together in Christ. Now that is so hard to do, to hold both compassion and conviction together. It's so easy to do either one of them. To be a person who is just all compassion all the time, and it's easy because I don't really stand for anything. I'm just for you, whatever you're into. Or to be a person who's all conviction all the time about everything, and to build a wall around those convictions, and to say you're either in or out based on whether or not you agree with these convictions. But to be both compassionate and full of conviction, the only way I know to do that is to live in Christ, who was so good at this. Remember how he responded to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Neither do I condemn you. Compassion. Go and sin no more. Conviction. With conviction, we seek together to, to know the truth. And with boldness and humility, we express it the best we can. But out of compassion, we believe that we have no conviction greater than communicating the grace-filled love of Christ. Some proclaim Christ out of love. As a Christian, as one who lives in Christ, whether you realize it or not, everything you do is proclaiming what you really, truly believe. And if you're not proclaiming 
the love of Christ, then that's an embarrassment. It is an embarrassment, most of all, to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.